My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 75 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast, sponsored by EcoTrail Wicklow 2023. Hey everybody, we've got a coaching masterclass special coming up with Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland as we talk all about progression runs, what they are and their benefits to you as an endurance athlete. And we also discuss how important positive feedback loops are in your training. Everybody, get your running gear on, let's go. Hey guys, yes they are so so vital, those positive feedback loops for an athlete and we'll explain what they are now shortly but before we call in Rene, a shout out to our continuing sponsor for August, EcoTrail Wicklow who will be hosting their weekend of trail running at the end of September, getting closer and closer now with the main day of racing on September 30th in just over 7 weeks time. This will be the race's 4th edition and look out for some very special announcements this week on their social media regarding some special guests at this year's event. For those who haven't signed up yet, there are four race distances to choose from, 19K, 30K, 46K, and the big one, the 80K. So if you are looking for a great day out in Bray at the end of September, don't hesitate guys, sign up for September 30th. And don't forget that fabulous free beer from the great team at Wicklow Wolf Brewery on offer to once you cross the finish line in Bray. Okay, a quick look at some of the key race results since our last show. And brilliant to see the 5K, a short and sharp race distance back on the Inver calendar last week at the Currabini Trail Race where Keely Tyswell took the win in the ladies race and Barry Minnock got his 45th Imre race win. Well done, Barry. And I was wondering if if that was the highest amount of Imre wins by any one athlete out there. But then I thought of Becky Quinn and I checked out Becky's stats and Becky has 110 Imre race wins 110 race wins incredible and she was in action again in the Lugnaquilla race where she came second this time and Deirdre Galvin got the win by a significant margin of 18 minutes super strong running Deirdre and in the men's race who else but Edna Quinn picked up another win. That's 22 wins out of 38 races for Edna. Um, that's just two races, guys, that took place over the last couple of weeks. So do pop over to Imre for a full lay, full list rather of race results over the last two to three weeks. Phenomenal work going on by all the Imre volunteer teams with, in one particular eight-day period last week, five different Imre races took place. Before we call in Rene to begin our coaching special, a big thank you as well to our three new Patreons who came on board since our last show. Many thanks, Nick Hogan, Craig Zambra and Shane Doyle. Thanks a million guys and thank you as always to all of our Patreons for helping to keep the show going all year long as we try to seek out the, the stars and the hidden stars of Irish mountain and trail running and tell their stories as well of course as trying to bring you lots of great coaching 
cooking tips from Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland as well. If you do listen in regularly, guys, and would like to support the show, please pop over to Patreon, maybe over the summer holidays in the next week or two when you have a moment and your support is very, very welcome. For the price of a gel per month, it helps to keep us going all year long. Thanks a million. Right, so let's call in our coaching guru. Rene Borg from Running Coach Ireland. Rene, great to have you on board again. And Rene, uh, I'm delighted to be chatting to you from my old bedroom in uh, Dublin 15 in North Dublin, as opposed to dialing in from Grand Canaria. So it's great to be back in Ireland on our summer holidays and great to be chatting to you, mate, as well. Well, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Owen. And apologies for uh, not being able to actually offer you any summer. Because to say it, for all of all of us runners, you know, we we're very keenly aware that the last weeks have been pretty desperate. You know, then it's been very wet, and the, there's been a lot of races on over the last week. And you probably covered a few there in your in your introduction already, Owen. And I was at one of them on Sunday, the Lucknaquilla race. The, the results aren't up yet, but I believe it was Ender Cloak uh, who made it five wins on the trot. Um, but but that, was, that was a very wet and, and misty outing. And I did two runners ended up slightly lost and they were talked via mobile phone back up onto the, the main track. And then two other runners, um, including one of our clients, oh, we'll keep it under wraps. <laughs> they they got lost for four and a half hours um, oh. in, the, in the pouring rain. And they, they were, you know, wet and slightly embarrassed when they came home. But you know, it it is something that can happen, especially in these open, unmarked mountain races. So that that's not what we signed up for. You know, when we sign up for a race on the thirty first of July, you know, we think we're going to be running under clear skies and on dry trails. Oh, I know it's been shocking weather and especially for anybody with kids that's listening in on their summer holidays uh, to be stuck indoors for, for most of July is very disappointing but I must admit Rene I, I was down in the Phoenix Park there during the week and I got a fantastic two hour long run in and was just so happy to be cruising along in temperatures that weren't anywhere near 30 degrees even though it was raining and it was a bit cold but I, we've spoken about it on I think one of the shows before just training in hot weather and the effects that it has on the body how hard it is so it, it was so nice to see the heart rate about maybe six or seven beats lower than it would normally be in Gran Canaria at say the same aerobic threshold cruising pace so I thoroughly enjoyed my two hours getting soaked to the bones in, in the Phoenix Park I'm not too sure now if I'll make it over to, to Wicklow um, in the next week or so before we go back but maybe certainly a day trip out to pray might be on the cards um, but any, we've got a I think a super interesting topic today and we've got a little bit more time today we said we maybe extend out our own chat in this episode, give it a, a bit of a special coaching slot this week. And I must admit, Rennie, when you said this topic to me, I thought, oh, fantastic. Because, you know, with 75 odd shows done now, you would think that we should have maybe covered everything in 75 slots of our coaching slot. But what's wonderful about running is that there's so many different angles to cover to help improve us. There's so many topics that we can revisit that we might have forgotten about or new um new advancements new research has showed new results and the topic today is a great one it's a, a progression run Rene so really interesting to hear your thoughts on it and maybe Rene we might just start off by defining what a progression run is 
Yes, progression runs. I know it's one of your favorite types of runs for your clients as well. So it's I'm not I'm not yeah. surprised. You know, I, I'd say you'll have a few good insights to add in on this one too. You know, and uh, yeah. but basically, you know, progression runs or some a few people call it ramp up runs, and some people lately have called it acceleration runs. Um, but there is really only, as we know, there's two types of runs. You can do runs that are continuous, and you can do runs that are intermittent. They are kind of the two basic types meaning that there are certain session types where you keep running and there are certain where you run and then there's some kind of break and then you run again. And within those two formats, you can add, you could say, a second dimension. And that second dimension is, do you choose to run your workout even paced or are you going to run it at a varied pace? So basically, a progression run is a continuous run that has a varied pace but where the idea is to finish faster, you know, and that's why if you go look online, you will find classical se uh, sessions that fall under this umbrella, such as, you know, the fast finish long run. That's one that a lot of marathons, especially the more advanced guys will be familiar with. Um, but progression runs don't have to be long and they don't have to be marathon specific. And quite a lot of us have probably, if you're listening and you've never thought you've done one, you probably still done one because quite often as you go out the door and you say, well, I'm going to set off at an even pace and even effort, you may end up finishing strong because if, if you're having a, any kind of half decent day, it's just tempting. You know, as you get a little bit more warmed up uh, and, you you know, the oxygen rushes into the body and you also probably start to get eager to get back home, then it's kind of natural to say, yeah, I'm just going to whip up the pace a little bit here to the door. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it as easy as saying, Rene, that progression runs are are better for us than tempo sessions or interval sessions? Or do you think at certain points of the season, actually, no, we need to just park the progression runs and we actually do need to do those steady state hard interval sessions? Or, or do you think progression runs, um, they're, they're, a, they're a must do over every seven day training week? I don't think there are must do every week necessarily, but it depends a little bit on the former you do them. The main benefit is that they're not as hard on the body as interval training yeah. um, because there's not one of the things that exposes you to a lot of risk is the rate of acceleration, as they call it, which is the change of speed, you know, and that kind of makes sense. It's the same for our car as well. You know, the, the more you push the accelerator, the more you put strain onto the engine. Um, and everything else. So that means in an interval session, the problem is that you you speed up pretty quickly from a very slow pace usually, and then you decelerate often quite abruptly, although more experienced runners learn to not do that. You know, they just kind of drift out of their intervals. But in a progression run, you are speeding up very gradually over quite a, a long time. So you sh generally it should not be a problem that you are exposing yourself to injuries because of the acceleration and it yeah. shouldn't be a problem that you're exposing yourself to injury because of a lack of warm-up so yeah. in, in that sense i know for instance veronique bilat which is the researcher who looks into this a lot and um, she feels this is generally a better workout for older runners and it might be something that older runners can often substitute in instead of let's say vo2 max intervals and a tempo run they might do a progression run that takes them through all of those stages, but in a nice gradual way. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think it works very well for, for marathon road race training, Renee. And I suspect a lot of our listeners at the moment are maybe combining their their mountain summer racing with maybe beginning their race prep for, for Dublin Marathon. And I think these type of progression runs, fast finish long runs, can work very, very well for marathon training, especially for those, as you said, maybe older runners, maybe over the 35, 40 mark, or just runners that aren't robust enough to bang out marathon pace long runs every week. Like, for example, our friend Tudor, Tudor Moldovan from, what, two episodes ago now, where Tudor has the strength to be able to knock out a 30K, 35K um tempo run at marathon pace pretty much every week by by what I see in the Strava and what he was telling us in the interview but I think for the majority of us to, to introduce those these progression runs into a marathon training where you might do say the first hour at your very easy zone one to um, aerobic threshold pace and then for the second hour then head up towards your marathon pace and then maybe tag on 10 minutes at the end half marathon pace run and then for the final 400 meters you sprint it out to the line and it is also a fantastic way of just preparing for the the psychological demands of racing as well and trying to finish fast getting ready to feeling um, or getting comfortable feeling very uncomfortable over the final 10 or 15 minutes of your run. Um, So I I would certainly encourage anybody that's building up for the marathon to to try out the progression runs. Yeah, because you could say there's there's physiological kind of boxes you can take if you do a standard progression run, you know, where you speed up and you get into the zone three and zone four and so on. But for marathon days that, and also for longer trail races, it'll be a little bit similar. There is that kind of added element that's not, it's not purely about hitting, you know, zones, which is, it's really all about being able to still move well and accelerate when you are tired, you know, that it's, that you actually cannot just always train fresh because it's not a proper simulation of what you actually want to do, you know, and there's people like Paul Turgut, you know, he kind of, he was one of the people. And I think along with that Italian coach, uh, Gabriel Rosa, who, who really put in the super fast finish run, right? Where they kind of, they, they accelerated yeah. through that long run. And then towards the last kind of two, three, four, five, six minutes, they totally empty the tank, you know, with kind of 5K race effort or pace. And that's obviously a very yeah. advanced workout. You know, if, if you need to be well conditioned for that, because if you are already tired from the long run and from the week you've already done before, if you then throw in, you know, 5K pace on a very fatigued body, you need to be fairly confident you can take that. But if you can, yeah. it's, it's obviously a brilliant session. Whereas beginners can do, you know, our own, you know, a lot of people know Hal Higdon, who is a very kind of beginner-friendly writer. And I think he popularized a lot of the run-walk stuff, only if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah. you know, he, he has a simple progression run that's much more beginner-friendly. I think he calls it the 3-1, which just means you run three-quarter of your long run easy, and then you run the last quarter a bit faster. You know, he's generally talking about kind of marathon effort. Yeah, And it, it does reinforce the type of pacing and patterns we, we want people to experience, which is that you, you want to kind of program in that even when tired, I'm able to finish strong. Because that's what, yeah. in, in, in a perfect scenario, if we pace ourselves well, if we set the right goal, that's how we want to be running our races as well. You know, we don't want this dynamic in our long run 
uh, you know, Percy Sarity had a great quote on that. He said, he, you know, he said, you shouldn't drag yourself in like a beat dog. <laughs> I, always, I, I love that phrase because it, it, he didn't feel that, you know, that did anything good, that runners just killed themselves so much that they basically, every long run, they're, they're so stiff and destroyed and emptied that they're just dragging themselves over the line because he had a feeling that not only did this probably do more damage than good, but it also sets that as the expectation. You know, and maybe you start, you, you know, you begin to race like that. So in that way, progression runs is a great way to, to teach yourself to, as, as we say, with racing, you always want to race the way you train. Yeah. So if you want to race with fast finishes, then you also have to train with fast finishes. You know, so that just makes sense. And for, for yeah. that, sorry, oh, I'll let you cut in there. No, I was just going to say, and for those who want to say do negative splits, whether it's in their trail races or more specifically their marathon races, you won't have a chance in hell of doing a negative split if you've never done it in training. And the progress runs are one way to practice that because it is so hard to have the patience the self-discipline to do those negative split runs. Very few people do them, um, but a progress run is certainly one way to practice it in training. Yeah, pro so you say progress run, progression run, progressive run. I've heard them all, and um, we we have one that's a fairly standard session here, which is uh, there's a four-mile loop of a hilly reservoir. Um, and we often do that as a little session uh, where we just every mile, we just pick up the pace a little bit. You know, so that's very simple. We warm up 15 minutes, we run four miles, pick pick up the pace every four miles and then go cool down and you spend an hour roughly on that. But basically what that kind of does is you, if you have already a task in front of you and you have to break it into four pieces like that and you know that you have to speed up three times, it actually forces you to be a little bit more intelligent in approaching the whole four miles versus if I just say to all the lads, look, just go out and run the four miles tempo. Yeah, yeah, first yeah. Of all, it, it will probably be harder, but also a lot of them will make mistakes and they will start too hard and they'll fade. So in this way, we are trying not just to build, you know, the, the right physiology. We want to teach and practice pacing fairly regularly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, as well, the, the progress runs, Renny, too. They're also great fun. And at the end of the day, we want to have a bit of crack, have a bit of fun when we're out uh, training and racing as well. And it, it's something that the Kenyans, I know, do a lot. Like a lot of their regular, just run in the mill, daily runs on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they'll, they'll start off at a shuffle early in the morning, you know, eight minutes per mile, nine minutes per mile. And they'll gradually get quicker and quicker and quicker, very much easy aerobic running. But then over the last kilometer or two, they might be at full 5K pace for them, which could be, you know, 13 minutes for a 5K. So they are whipping at home. They're sprinting at home. And because they're starting off so easy over maybe 75, 80 percent of that run, they can nearly do it most days when they're not doing their tempo sessions or their interval sessions. So imagine the fun that you can have if that if you're getting the intensity right and keeping it quite low for the majority of the run, you can whip it home then. And so it's something maybe that we try and include with our clients training that we'll ask maybe to do strides towards the end of our other run. It's not quite a progression run. 
but it's just making sure that you have a bit of fun, that you enjoy that speed in your legs. And again, you're just activating those fast switch muscle fibers a couple of times during the week, rather than just running everything in zone one and zone two. Yeah, it's a very easy way, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a very easy way to include paces that are not the focus and that you don't want to overdo because either because you're not ready or because it's not the right time of year is to just tag on a little bit at the end, you know, and, and for standard progressions, that works very well, you know, that you have an easy one hour run and you decide to actually just pick up the pace a bit for 10 minutes um, at the end. And similar with the, as we know, the Lydiard Foundation is something we talk about a lot um, and they use this Saturday, it's usually Saturday, but it's kind of the, the weekend steady run in the conditioning phase. So the early part of the training that they call an out and back. And I think most of our clients are very, very familiar with that. And the out and back is really a, a form of progression run, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to run. I'll give you an example, just run 30 minutes out at, at roughly a marathon effort. There's different ways we describe it, but it's generally described as kind of a marathon effort, a, a little bit faster than easy but you're not talking tempo run territory and that you then turn at 30 minutes and you can return to where you started without noticeably increasing the effort. So, you know, if we were to actually measure what sort of extra effort, you're probably talking one, two, three heartbeats. That's all. So it's, it's just a little bit. And that teaches you to go out controlled. It's still stamina. It's not a demanding workout and to come back stronger but the workout format, you know, allows you to actually correct yourself and to learn from it. Because if you if you do it wrong, so if you run the 30 minutes too hard out, you can't actually get back to where you started without really ramping up the effort. And although you've made a mistake, then you can at least reflect on that. <clears throat> and you can say, okay, I know what I did wrong. You know, I, I just pumped up the intensity far too high in the first 30 minutes and I kind of died off and I had to push it way too hard so next week when i do a similar run i'm going to fix this you know and that way you have a regular run that i think is fun and interesting that is not a killer you know so it won't kind of sabotage endurance development but it allows yeah. you to constantly get some feedback going so that you can improve yourself yeah and you, if what you said there when it was very important in one of the sentences there that the progression runs they they help teach us to be very disciplined with our pace where we're, when we know we can run faster but in our longer trail races in our road marathon races that it is so important that we have the discipline to maintain pace over the first half even over the first three quarters of a race so they're a great opportunity um, for that one there um, I think that, that was all that I had on my side on the progression runs Randy maybe just to, to make it more specific for, for our marathon and trail running races just to add in that of course, with the progress runs, that it's not just about progressing the pace. Another way to do it, if you are up on the trails, if you're up in the mountains, is to work off heart rate, you know, to, to progress through the different heart rate zones from maybe the 120s to 140s over the first half and then push it out to the 150s and 160s, for example. If you're in that typical range of a 120 to 180 heart rate, that it's they're just as effective. Just to emphasize that the progression runs, they're just as effective on the trails and mountains as they would be on the roads. Yeah, exactly. They are. And you just might have to go more by effort, you know, especially if it's undulating. And I have actually developed uh, this 
this was many years ago because the out and back, I love it. I think it's a great workout. But when I'm more focused on hills I, and when I have hill runners that have to get a lot of vertical in, I design what I call the up and down workout. And that's something I assign to a lot of our clients. And the up and down workout is a workout there, you know, you're not running 30 minutes out and back because when you're running up a hill, obviously you're going to come down a lot faster. So I give people a rough, it's usually 35, 25 or something like that. You know, so 35 minutes up, 25 minutes down. And the basic instruction is, um, is basically controlled hard going up. And that's again to set this idea that we're not yet looking at, you know, really high intensity. We just want a little bit more effort than just plodding easily up the hill and fast relaxed down. And that's because we want to emphasize, you know, we, that's what we want. You know, we're in the endurance so it has to be lovely and fast and good coordination on the downhill. But we're not yet ready to just push and strain on the downhill because that comes much later. And that workout works really well, in my experience, if you have one or two hills that you frequent a lot. Because early, this, this actually comes into the next topic, on which is the whole thing about feeling-based training and feedback-based training. So we can kind of preview and, and tangle a bit across to that. That when you look at a run like that, you don't have to do it every week. That's a question we get a lot. If you have runs that you use to compare whether you're getting better or worse, do you have to do them every week? And the answer is no, but you should probably do them regularly enough that you can kind of have a little comparison. So generally, I just go by effort. And I have scar, right? That's the mountain I live on. And it's exactly five kilometers up, five kilometers down. So what I do with that is I run up at a certain effort. And I will compare at certain times a year to see, you know, what is the heart rate and what time am I getting up and down? And then only when I get into, if I feel very strong and very durable and we are close to the racing season, then I'll actually start to increase the effort both up and down. So slowly this up and down is, is being transformed from a kind of moderate progression run to a proper, nearly a time trial. You know, and what we would call um, three quarter or seven eight effort time trial for the races coming up. So that's yeah. that's that's one way you can kind of bridge uh, progression runs into something more specific. And it's a way that hill runners, especially the short distance hill runners, they could they could vary it. I still think it's a good idea if you're a hill runner to use some flat out and backs. You know, because there's yeah. very few of us who run only hills. Um, but that's that's one way they can mix it up. Sure. Well, it's a nice segue, Renny, maybe into the second part of our coaching segment today. And it's nice to be go. It's nice to be able to go for an extra ten or fifteen minutes today with a bit more time. And the the second part today was um about a, a term that you came across in the Lydiard Level Three Foundation course. So not Foundation Level Three course, and it was positive feedback loop, and how just to make sure that we're getting the intensity right, that we're listening to our body very much to train on a feeling-based philosophy. I'm a big believer in it myself, Rennie. So, so very interested to hear what they were teaching on the Level 3 Lydiard course there over the last week or so. Yeah, well, actually, you've you've seen most of it all. And I think they just kind of elaborated more on the, the, the principle. But, you know, the, the idea obviously is that when you lay out a plan as a coach and as an athlete, or, or if you're just self-coached, I think we have a slight tendency to, to feel that the plan is the most important thing, right? So the most important thing is what we actually put into the calendar, that the workouts are, you know, beautifully progressed from one to the other on paper. Uh, 
and that the volume is great, that we have step back weeks, you know, all these little things. But in reality, the longer you coach, and I think the longer you run, the more you become aware that what's most important is, is actually not the plan, but how you use it. Yeah. And the mentality you bring in. And this was just something that I got thinking as I was sitting there talking to the other coaches on the call that we give people a plan. But the most important thing we probably do for people is to try and help them read their own body's response to the various workouts and to answer the questions that when people have done a workout and they go to the next one, let's say two days later that they actually know when to say, this is not the right day for it. You know, I need to actually change what's on the plan because the feedback my body is giving me tells me that if I do the workout today, I'm going to start going into what's called a negative feedback loop. So maybe we need to step back to that old. So a negative and a positive feedback loop. I think most people listening probably understand what we mean, but it's like, a, you know, a waterfall going down or an arrow going up kind of. So it's... Um, if you, whenever you train, we know there, there's a negative effect, which is the tiredness and the muscle damage and all these things. So straight after an interval session, if I was to ask you to do it again, you couldn't do it as well. You know, that goes without saying. And there'd be more chance that you would be injured if you tried to do it again, let's say an hour later. So we all know that. But for some reason, we tend to forget that if there is a day or two between. We, we just like assuming, well, Two days have passed and my plan says it's time for a tempo run. So I'll do a tempo run. Hmm, and, yeah. you know, and, and that's just not the right way to think about it. So instead, we need to say, well, when I did my interval session on Tuesday, I felt very stiff after. Fine. Next day, I went out and I did an easy jog. How did I feel? You know, what was the muscle damage like? What was the heart rate like? What was the effort? 48 hours later, the morning before I'm due to do my tempo, how am I feeling today? And that's where you need to, you something we have spoken about before, you need to have some recovery indicators, first of all, that can help you guide. So a lot of the techies today, they use heart rate variability, which is fine. If you know how to use it, use it. Some old schoolers use, they look at their resting heart rate. And some people just look at things like muscle soreness, which is a really good indicator, and their mood. Okay, so if your mood is bad or your libido is low, things like that, if your sleep was disturbed, that's a good sign that you are still on the downhill curve after the stressor you put on your body. So now what happens is if you are still on the downhill, if you hit yourself again there, you're actually pushing yourself further below the line that we could call your normal level of performance. So you're going further away from that normal level. And a lot of people, yeah. what, what happens at that time is then they go out, they do the tempo run. And the tempo run is, let's say, crap, right? It, 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 it's like, <laughs> Jesus, this is not good. But they're like, okay, look, done and dusted. In three days, I have my first race of the season. They go out, they do that race, and they also underperform. This is where really what the runner should conclude is, oh, I hit myself on the downward curve on Wednesday. I, or on Thursday, I wasn't properly recovered. So I pushed myself too far down. I could not get back up to my baseline and above it by the time the race came along. So that's why I had a bad run. So what should I do? A little bit of extra rest the next days. But what a lot of us conclude is the opposite, right? That we don't train hard enough 
or we just get angry, we get an emotional reaction because of where we finished. And then we redouble our efforts next week or we rush back. That's probably the more likely thing. We rush back to training because that insecurity that drives a lot of runners to train more than they should at certain stages, that's often kind of triggered, you know, by bad race results. So this yeah. is just one example. You know, there's hundreds of different ways this could go, but it's an example of make sure that you're actually looking at were you fully recovered when you hit yourself with a test or a race or a workout? And if you honestly can see you probably weren't, stop fussing over the underperformance and just give yourself a little bit more rest and then start focusing on what do you need, what will tell you on a day-to-day basis whether you're ready to do the workouts that's scheduled. You know, so that this is where, of course, there's a process of learning, getting to know yourself. Yeah. But it could start with just having two or three things that you decide to check. You know, maybe you check your resting heart rate every morning. Maybe you have a check-in on your muscle soreness. And then you have a final check in your warm-up. You know, maybe during your warm-up when you're doing your strides or maybe doing a little bit of intensity, you kind of read all the systems. And you say, am I actually, do I feel like I am better than I was when I did the intervals on Tuesday? Because if I'm not on the way up, I haven't created a positive feedback loop. You know, yeah. I, so, so this is the whole idea with Lydia training is that you always hit the body the second time when it has recovered and gotten better from the previous time. You don't just keep hitting it and kicking it while it's down. And that's why you have to, you have to learn your own recovery patterns, you know, and they mightn't be static. You know, they can change over a career. They can change over a season. So that, that takes a, a lot of mental flexibility. And one thing that came up on the call, Owen, that was a good example of where this is confusing, is the whole idea of back-to-back long runs. Is that something you've done yourself ever? Um, it's, it's not many, no, but I remember I gave it to one of the athletes in my group, Rene, last year who was going through a really, really bad run of form. He just couldn't get anything together at all. And I was just trying to find out, well, what can we do? And I actually came across it in one of the Lydiard books that it was a strategy that Lydiard used to use when somebody was in a terrible run of form and had a big race coming up. He used to just tell them to go off and to do two big back-to-back long runs over Saturday and Sunday just to give a massive kickstart to their aerobic engine it was like a resetting of the aerobic engine and then a couple of days later they would get that massive boost from that aerobic stimulus um, and thankfully it worked he had a marathon coming up and he, he got the result that he wanted in the marathon and we were able to get him out of that hole but I've never done it myself Renny no I've never had the need to do it so far myself to do back-to-back long runs yeah, actually, that that is it's it's a different example that I was thinking about, but I, I've actually done that um, years ago <laughs> when I when I felt over raced, um, and this was what happened to Snell, and I just wanted to to guess. So I went for three twenty two, I think it was three twenty two and twenty four kilometer long runs on the hills in a row, and uh, they were most, <laughs> but I felt really nice and relaxed and fit again after that. Yeah. Well, what yeah. I was thinking is something slightly more modern, which is the idea that, you know, for when it, for ultra runners, especially you do two runs in the weekend back to back, because often it's just impractical. or It's, it's too hard on the body to do these very long runs and um, that 
the ultra and the practice for the ultra requires, you know, so you might split it. Let's say you do 35 on a Saturday and then you do 25 on a, on a Sunday. But Colin Lancaster, who's one of the, the tutors on the Lydia level three, he was saying when he first saw that, so he was new to that because unlike myself and yourself, he he's newer to trail running, I think. Owner. And, and he said, when he first saw that technique, he thought that seems to violate the idea of a positive feedback loop. Because obviously when you wake up in the morning on the Sunday, you're tired in your legs. And mm. what he said, you have to, just that particular example, you have to think about it differently because you have to think about it as one session. Yeah. So, yeah. So those two runs are basically like an interval session. It's just that you have a very long interval overnight. And, yeah. But, but, but then, and this is what's often forgotten, then you actually have quite a significant recovery generally for the four or five days after. So that means the middle of the week after something like that, you yeah, are mainly sure. just jogging around and recovering because that's a big stimulus. You know, so you need to, you can absolutely do the back to back without violating positive feedback loop. But then you need to see on the days next week, how quickly can I shake that off and feel myself again? Before you start thinking about, oh, yeah, I think I should do some steady hill repeats now on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rennie, I have to say, Rennie, if uh, of all the, the episodes that we've done, of all the different segments that we've done, if anybody was to ever listen back or to listen two or three times to a 10 minute block of our coaching segment, it would be those last 10 minutes that you've just discussed there, because uh, I think you described it so well. You brought the problem to the fore so well, and it is such a common issue, I think, out there that when people are sick or that when people have a niggle, they just plow on and they do the interval session or they do the long run that they were planning to do. And invariably what happens is that niggle becomes an injury or that sickness knocks them out for two or three weeks because they're in a well already, they're in a hole and they've just dug themselves deeper into a hole. And I think we would all be better runners and get better results if we do just isn't it funny many it's just it's to have the 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 self-control the patience in that moment of the day when we normally go for our run but we're feeling a bit sick or maybe we have a little bit of a niggle and for that one hour two hour period that we just have to hold off from taking our running drug you know and it's very similar to you know an addictive substance where when you're trying to you know coax somebody to come off a, a drug or to not to take a, a drink where they're, they're just fighting for that moment that no don't take it don't do it and i think runners can be very very similar that for that moment when they normally put on their shoes and go out the door they need to distract their mind or do something else that they're interested in, whether, I don't know, watch a TV episode or go and do something productive or that they enjoy in work, just to forget about running for that particular hour or two and let the day pass, let the body heal up, let the body rest, and then hopefully they'll be good to go the next day or the next day. And it's just that self-control, I think, in that specific moment. Um, I remember last weekend, Renny, I was I was sick on Saturday night. I had a, a stomach virus. And on that Sunday, I was looking forward to a big, beautiful long run in the park for, oh, for about, about a month, Renny, um, when I was getting ready for coming back home to Dublin. I said, oh, that particular Sunday, I'm going to enjoy a big 18-miler in the park. Can't wait to do it. But of course, you know, got sick on Saturday night, so I couldn't. Um, and it wasn't too hard to convince me not to do it because you, you mentioned it there. My resting heart rate had gone from 36 to 50. 
a massive, you know, sign that the body wasn't right. And then on the Monday morning, Renny, I just said, oh, I'm not too bad on Monday, but I'm still not right. I could go for a run. But you know what? I'm just going to allow the body to rest up completely. And then I was back out on Tuesday and I got my long run on the Wednesday instead of the Sunday. And just a small example of all you need sometimes is just to wait two or three days wait for your body to be ready to go again and you can go and do your long run, your tempo session. And thankfully, you know, three or four days later, the body's healed up from the virus. Great run yesterday. Nice recovery run today. And I'll be good to go again for maybe a hard session or a race at the weekend. So it, it was a great 10 minute slot, Renny. And again, that, that 10 minute slot, guys, if you're listening, share it with your friends, pass it on, make sure you adhere to it yourself, listen to your body and don't force out a run just because it's in your training calendar. No, how well you recover is really a better indicator of the condition you're in, you know, than the workouts you're able to do. Yeah, and that's yeah. Uh, so, so that that's the first thing to watch out for. Also within the workout, if you do a little speed up and you can feel the heart rate is actually struggling to come down quick, there's an issue there. So either your basic yeah. conditioning is not good or there is, you know, you're, you're strung out. Um, and if you want confidence, see, this is exactly what Bill Bowerman meant when he said that famous quote, the magic is in the man, not the miles. A lot of people thought what he meant by that is that miles are not important. But that's not, he is telling people to have confidence in themselves and your, you know, your own ability. Don't lose that just because you didn't get to run yesterday or because you didn't get 10K, you only got 6K. That's really yeah. what I meant. You know, we most of us, we're way too quick to lose faith in our own ability to run, you know, and it, it doesn't go away that uh, quickly. You know, if you, as long as you're reasonably consistent and you're good to yourself, you know, you're going to keep your condition pretty well. Yeah. And maybe just to, to bring the conversation full circle for today, Rene, I think if you are having one of those days where you know you're not quite 100 percent and, you know, maybe if you're a normal resting heart rate baseline is, let's say, 45 and today you're maybe 48 or 49. So you're a little bit off what you could do instead of those that steady state tempo run or that hard interval session is do one of the progression runs that we talked about at the start of the conversation and just ease yourself into it. And after, you know, maybe 70% of the run, 60% of the run, if you're feeling good, you push on and you hammer it home. But if you're not, you just ease home and you try again the next day or the day after that. So maybe that's a, a nice way, Renny, to, to round off our conversation for today. Yeah, let's round it there. There's a few esoteric things like acceleration runs, which is a very specific version of progression. I think we can maybe cover in the future when we when we have no other topics on. So we'll put that on our list. Yeah, well, listen, Renny, thanks a million for that today. Beautifully put and a really important segment, I think, today as well. So hopefully people will enjoy it and can take a lot from it as well. Renny Borg from Running Coach Ireland. Renny, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, all. Talk to you. Say wrap everyone for this week. Many thanks to Rene there. And an important shout out to Paul Tierney, who is about to kick off his Ashley Murphy. 
23 Peaks Challenge. Good luck, Paul, and do make sure to check Paul out on his social media pages as he tries to raise funds for a very worthy charity. Just a reminder, guys, to pop over to Patreon if you can to help to support the Trail Running Ireland podcast if you get the chance for the price of a gel. Thanks a million, guys. And don't forget to check out Eco Trail Wicklow if you are looking for a race in September. September 30th this year will all be in Bray and looking forward to seeing runners run through some of the iconic areas of the Wicklow Mountains such as Kilruddery Gardens, Little and Big Sugarloaf, Powerscourt Waterfall and the start and finish on Prey Promenade. But for now, everybody get your running gear on, let's go. <laughs>